I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We will kick things off talking about the Masters from this past weekend. John Rahm capturing his second major in his short career, the fourth Masters for Spain, and on what would have been the 66th birthday of Seve Ballesteros, an incredible win for John for his country, and setting a record for the first ever European player to win the U.S. Open and the Masters. Really impressive stuff. We'll move into the league from last week. The league play, first time Kenny Oneput playing in a league. We'll get his first impressions. We'll talk a little bit about our scores, how the course was playing, and what we're looking forward to the rest of the year. And then coming up this week, the RBC Heritage. It's a special one for us. Some of us in the room will be going to the Saturday round, making a little vacation of it down in Hilton Head. We'll take our picks. We'll talk about the course and what we're looking forward to this weekend. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, make sure to head over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod and check out our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page. Thanks for being here. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, we are back. What a great weekend at the Masters. John Rahm, right, the Spaniard on Seve Ballesteros' birthday, gets the win, the fourth Masters for Spanish golf. His second major, right, he won the 21 U.S. Open, and now he's got a green jacket. There was probably a time when we thought last year where maybe Rahm was maybe fading, and all of a sudden now he's back in full force, right? This is his fourth win this year now with a major, kind of like that Scotty run. Let's start with Rom, and then we're going to go through the big three, Scotty and Rory as well. What are you guys' thoughts on Rom, and what uh, anything else from the tournament this weekend? Dub, do you have any regrets on uh, you know all of a sudden pivoting from <laughs> well? Rahm at least to I Scotty? put my money where my mouth was not your whole so house. I, I put money on Rom. Oh, okay. Even though I took Scotty, uh, so okay. I, I won okay. a little bit. That first hole, we were like, "Aren't you glad you did?" <laughs> yeah, pick Rahm? I looked so smart through one hole. That that is one of my favorite storylines. Also, I think Mateo just stole. Um, no, sorry. Uh, the fair storylines of Rom and his like his presser or whatever tells a story about his group chat with JJ Watt and Zach Ertz. Random and random. random group? Like, how yeah. is that a thing? Called birdies and babies because they all live in Arizona. Oh, so I, I don't guess. think JJ so Watt has his number saved, which yeah. was yeah. kind of interesting. Is it, it's funny the Arizona connection, I guess, because yeah. Ertz is that's his, Ertz was only there for the first full season this year. Yeah, but oh, ASU Rom, yeah. yeah. So like. Then he gets a text from Zach Earth. First hole, look, that first green looks like a walk in the park. And then five minutes later, just. I don't know what. Yeah, where did that come from? I don't know where. Like, there was no origin there. It wasn't like Rom three putted dead green last year or something. He just said, like, I'm going to pick something. I'm going to say, that first green looks super easy. And then he goes in four putts. Like, what an incredible It's story. like he just watched, like, the couple groups in front of Rom and was like, oh, <laughs> they, they all did great. Rom's going to birdie this thing. And it did not work out that way. But being it, like, battling back from a four putt double bogey on one to then go nine under over the next 17 holes was phenomenal and that's yeah. exactly what happened to me in the league last week i think except it was four putt to then go 19 <laughs> over on the next nah, nine holes i think that's the reason why he won though i mean like he like reset himself really quickly and he's like all right i gotta get serious and like it really motivated him i think it, it gave me it kind of reminded me of like when tom kim came out with like an eight last year and then won the tournament <laughs> At the Wyndham. At the yeah. Wyndham or whatever. A quad yeah, on the and, first hole. Yeah. And this this was, you know, arguably more impressive because it's a major and like was tied for the lead at seven under with Vic and Brooks after round one. Right, would have shot a nine under without that double yeah. in the first. Yeah, I think that was a question that Tariko asked him after the first round. Like, did that double bogey on number one change your approach to the rest of the round? Because a lot of these times that a lot of these guys at Augusta, like especially for the first round, you gotta go out and like play what the course gives you, just not like shoot yourself out of that tournament really quickly. But when Rom gets double bogey on that first hole, you got to think, I got to turn it on now to kind of recoup yeah. some strokes here, and that's exactly what he did. 
Right, you see Vic and all these guys. Vic shoots seven under, right? So you know their scores are out there. But yeah, like these big, these big guys are just like you know getting yourself to three, four under keeps you in the mix, right? You just don't want to shoot yourself out of the tournament. But Rom turns on the afterburners. I mean, plays the course amazingly on Thursday. Yeah, this this Masters as a major asked all the questions you want a major elite golfer to answer. You had to come out when the conditions were perfect and shoot stupid low. You had to grind through rain and trees falling all over the place. Then Rom had to chase down Brooks to to catch the lead, and then he had to play the back nine of Augusta with the lead. And he t- answered all those questions and kind of ran away with it. It almost seemed like he didn't really go get Brooks. Brooks kind of faded as he had to play in tougher conditions, and and as the tournament went on, he was tired after four holes. Yeah, but when Rom got the <laughs> right. lead, like. It was almost like he was more comfortable playing with the league because he just was not missing shots. Like, that back nine was near flawless other than the 18th tee shot that he hit. He's still in the par in the whole day. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, Rom is just, like, an extraordinary example because, right, he played so consistently and solid on the back nine. But I think Brooks is a good example of, like, when you just don't have your game at Augusta, it's just going to eat you alive. And I was thinking there's really only one modern-day golfer that I think – can play well without having their A game, and that's like Jordan, right? Great Jordan golfer. Jordan can hit it all over the place, kind of like Phil in his heyday. Hit it all over – even Tiger, right? Hit it all over the place, but then still post a score. You saw Brooksy just, you know, missing fairways a little bit, missing greens, and then just crept in a bogey here and there, and he couldn't hold on. Sunday at like 5 p.m., Tully, what, what percentage in your head were you allowing you to think that Spieth was going to win the tournament? Like 5%? Because I, like, I saw a twinkle in your there eye. Was there was a little twinkle. twinkle. There was a twinkle. Because yeah. it was just – He was like know, getting to eight. He, he, was, he was right. He was – he was in position to post the the clubhouse lead, and obviously you know fucked up on eighteen, uh, shanking it into, over into the trees and not getting the magic woods that Rom did. Yeah. And you know there was a chance because like you post a number, you know that what that back nine is at Augusta that Rom and Brooks were going to have to go through. And I mean, in reality, what Phil at clubhouse lead at minus eight, which is what Jordan was in position to get to, it was what third he finished, right? Whatever. So Brooks he would have been right there had. You know, Rom's, Rom puts one in the water on, you know, 12 or 13 or both kind of thing. You know, there's we've seen that blow up. Jordan's have that blow up on the back nine. So it's like, you never know. Shit could happen. And you know, that was what it would have been great for me because everything else I had betting on went bad. <laughs> I think Rom kind of didn't have his stuff. Like, I mean, he was hitting the ball. Well, he, it was amazing how he really turned the Jets on. Like, early in the round, it, like, Brooks would open the door a little, and then Rom just wouldn't take it, right? And then Brooks would hit another iffy shot, and Rom wouldn't take it. But then on the back nine, Rom just turned into a different golfer. He really didn't miss anything. Well, especially Sunday morning, um, like, watching the coverage, I think they started, Brooke, or yeah, the Brooks-Rom group started on seven Sunday morning and had to play kind of that tough stretch, um, like 10, 11, 12. And I think Rom went his first six holes that morning without more than one putt. Each yeah, of those yeah, holes, which wild. I think that ended up being like the difference in the tournament. And that wasn't making a bunch of birdies. No, that was crying. That was out. Like, yeah. yeah, chipping on and putting for par. Do you guys think? Um, I mean, we can talk big picture afterwards. But do you think Rom kind of supplanted or supplanted Scotty as the best player in the world with this win? I mean, in, in the rankings, he he did, and you could argue. I mean, he's basically had the identical run that got Scotty to be in this position uh, of world number one. So I, I would say yes. I, I feel like his game is. You know, at his best and Scotty at his best, I think Rom is the better golfer. You know, on right now or just in general. Just like if you were like right now, yes, like you know, clearly just won the Masters. But even if you know you took Rom's absolute best, and then uh, (laughs) clearly better, can't argue that logic. Like if you took Rom's absolute best performances performance ever versus Scotty's, I think Rom is the just the better golfer across the board. Not taking anything from Scotty, I think Rom's just. Slightly more talented, and I think Rom has been up at this kind of top echelon for longer than Scotty has. I mean, we just we mentioned he won the twenty twenty one U.S. Open. I mean, and he would have the COVID, the COVID yeah, uh, major too. We, I think we forget or keep forgetting that Scotty like just won his first tournament last year, and it's that's like crazy how strong of a rise he's had since that point. But Rom has been at the top for much longer, so I think you have to give him. A little bit of benefit of doubt at this point. I, I almost look at it as like a 1A, 1B. I think sure. Rom and Scheffler, uh, we'll talk about the third guy here in a minute, but I think they've <laughs> oh, filled, they've clearly separated so themselves as like the two just leave me alone. guys on tour who are just that much better than everybody you don't else. Come across because Scotty, I mean, he couldn't putt at all this week. I think he led the field in ball striking. He just 
like couldn't putt. I think he was yelling at his putting coach. I think it was, it was early on in the round, really which was crazy to see. Um, but but T ten not putting well. Best Masters defense since Spieth got top five in what was that fifteen something like that sixteen. So still a really solid showing for Scotty. Kind of hanging hanging right around, but yeah, definitely. I think those guys are kind of up there by themselves right now. I'm curious. Though, what what do people feel like? If you're going to compare the two runs, Scotty's last year leading up to the Masters and winning the Masters versus Rom's, both won four tournaments in all. Like, who's who's do you feel like is actually like the better run if you were going to like put them on paper? I think Scotty's to me is more impressive because it kind of came out of nowhere. Like we've kind of known about Rom a little bit more, but Scotty just kind of came out of nowhere, went on this run, and now has put himself up there in the one A one B. Yeah, it felt like it was coming for Rom. Right? He's been he's so he has the. Best average world rank of any player in the world over the past five years. So he's definitely been around, right? We were talking about something about the viewership of this Masters was the best since 2018 when Patrick Reed won, and we were wondering why that is. And then you look at that leaderboard, and it's Rory, it's Jordan, it's Ricky, and then there's John Rahm. John Rahm came in T4 in 2018, so it's nothing new for him. And I think that Rahm's run here is a little bit more impressive because I think that Genesis win is just a little bit more of like it takes him to the next step over Scotty. Well, let's not forget, Scotty's on a little bit of a run this year, too. He won the sure. players, won the He's uh, got three wins WM, and uh, what was the third? Something else. And anyway, I mean, they're they're both kind of on a run right now. Obviously, Rom's a little bit more impressive, but still, I mean, Scotty's followed up his breakout year last year sure. with another really solid uh, performance. All right, so a little backdoor top ten for Scotty, right? Rom wins. Let's talk about Rory, right? Definitely didn't have his stuff this week. Was he the hype. The hype was outrageous for Rory, right? And I think we fell into that trap too. Everything, every part of his game felt like it was really firing on all cylinders. And he just kind of went out there and Augusta did what it does to people that just, I don't know. I don't think Rory's game's in a bad place. I think he probably mentally just was was expecting to play the course, like hit a drive here, hit an iron here, make this putt. And every time he'd get a little out of sorts, that scrambling game was just not there. So what was his deal? I didn't see him, uh, not trying to be a jerk, didn't see him <laughs> hit many shots. Like what, what was, was he having misses we'll the a coverage way? Like what, what was, I know you should probably watch every shot twice. So what was his thing? Well, he's hitting in a lot of spots. You just can't hit it. You know, I don't know. I didn't expect that from Rory. Like, especially when days where you're not hitting the ball well, like, there's always go-to shots you can go to, try to get it to places where you can get two putt pars, take advantage of par fives. But, like, number four, the par three that's playing, like, 230 downhill, we got a back right pin, and Rory misses it back right into the rough. Like, his short game's amazing. So he got up and down there, but you can't miss it there. And you do that too many times. You know, Rory shoots five over, and you just do that a few too many times. You get doubles leak into play, and you're just not making your birdies because now your confidence is down. Drove the ball great, though. I'll give him that. Like, the driver's definitely still there. There was a moment on Friday where it was, like, kind of a surge that he might – he was, like, at plus three. He was kind of – like, what – I mean, I th- was it on 15 that he – did he go in the water? Well, he, he went back to plus five after being at three, right? Yeah, I think you kind of just – if you push too hard on that back nine, as many yeah. birdies as there are, it's it's going to bite you. He goes in the water on 11 kind of thing. The I people mean, wanted it. The coverage wanted it. He just didn't have it. I mean, his second shot on 11 on Friday, I think, is just, you know, middle of the fairway, 190 out to a, to a middle pin and – he comes over the top and double crosses. I mean, that ball starts in the middle of the water and draws. I mean, that's just an uncharacteristic miss. On a hole where 90% of the field is missing the green right on purpose. Right. Because they don't want to take on that water. You got a 40% chance to get it up and down over there versus when you go in the water, double's almost inevitable. That's just what's so hard to believe about what he did because he drove the ball so well. I think he led the field for the first two days. Ideal store scoring conditions, like it was just set up for him. Yeah, that's the thing that really like, bothers me. And like, obviously, I, I was on Rory in the sense of like I predicted him to, you know, him and Jordan to both get their career grand slams this year. But it, it was like, what does he really have an excuse at this point? Like, other than just like mentally not having it, like at, at Augusta, like he it, did have the. Better end of the draw. Exactly. Like he didn't, like, you, versus you look at Rom, who aggressively did not have the better end of the draw, or even Tiger, who didn't have the great end of the draw and ma- managed to make the cut. Like, what, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. Like, as good as he is and as dominant as he can be, like, the demons that seem to exist here for him at Augusta. I mean, it's not like the guy comes to Augusta every year and misses the cut. He's has multiple second place finishes. He, he but there's have, always one huge like just like, because blow he hasn't round. won yet. Like he's not the only person who hasn't won at Augusta yet. Like he he's still top three players in the world by a landslide. Like I think 
He's going to get it done eventually. He just needs to free it, free up a little more at this course. I think you're getting a lot of looks around the room, and I'm physically upset that people don't think that Rory is a runaway third. Like it's not even close. Those three are separating themselves. Everyone thinks that, Everyone and it's thinks, such a. I don't. Think, I just think, does not think that. The only thing what I think is that this is a this is quite a microcosm. Like Rory's not falling off. He's not going anywhere. It just this wasn't his week. I tell like, you, give me your rankings. The, the oh, fact I, I just think right now Rory <laughs> speed, is not speed, speed. Rory is not playing to number three in the world. In the last that's some reasons he five weeks, that's I'm like, um, really because it's yeah. a third of the match play. Like I think you're just this is such a microcosm, and it's really easy to look oh, at his last third of the match play. That's missed the be cut example? at the players, and we said, oh, that course ah. doesn't play well, blah blah blah. And he comes to Augusta, misses another cut. I'm yeah. not saying he's a bad golfer. He's he's 100 a top 10 golfer. He's way better than I. Am. Maybe top 50. I'll okay. take so Shane Lowry over you're, him. You're yeah. lumping you're lumping Roy with the Homa JT group right now. Yeah, in your mind, and in where he's currently playing, yes. Like in terms of what he's just trying been to, able to put out on on the, the on the course. So, uh, so what do we, what do we think it is with him? Because it's Talent. it's rather alarming that he's now withdrawing from the heritage this week. Yeah, that there's no there's speculation around that. I mean, no one knows why he withdrew. I don't, I don't have a comment on it. I mean, it could be anything. It's probably just like a mental fatigue thing, which I don't blame him. Like, you know, you guys, you know, Rory's like. He needs to figure out what he's going to do over the next six months to a year because he needs a little bit of uh, to sit back and regroup because he's taking on this role as like the de facto commissioner for the PGA. And I think that's kind of affecting his play. Like his his resume over the last 12 months is impressive. Over the last six months, it's impressive. But over the last three months, it's certainly fallen a little short. How old is Rory now? 32, four, something not like that. that. He's not that old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. About our age. So it's fallen off. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the fact that we're saying that Rory oh, – well, I'm not saying you guys are saying that Rory is like falling off and he's not like close to what he was before just because he had a miscut at the Masters. Whoa, like, whoa, come whoa, on, whoa, 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 that we're no one's saying they doesn't still have the ability. I think he's just in. You just said he's falling off. No, I'm saying currently he is not the number three golfer. If you put him out there, he is not the number three golfer in the world. I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I mean, I disagree pretty aggressively. Well, Ben's a little biased, but I just no, just I mean, from I a, from a talent perspective, I think it's pretty not even close, but. I'll give the one thing about this specific tournament for Rory was like, why did he play so much leading up to the Masters? He played like 81 holes at Augusta leading up to this thing. And I guess, you know, you got to try everything after 10 or 15 years of no success winning it. So he just tried it this year. But I think it was a terrible move. He had so many expectations going into this thing. He thought like he walked in expecting nothing to go wrong because he's so prepared. So he wasn't ready for when things got a little haywire. And that that just meant he wasn't converting his par putts. Etc. I uh, I heard a lot of people in the media kind of talking to like, okay, maybe next year we got to spin the narrative a little bit and just say he's got no shot to ever win it at Augusta, and then he'll use that as fuel to go out there and win instead of like every year it comes in. It's like this is a year he's playing really well, he's at the top of his game, and then kind of lays an egg. He'll come out and win the PGA in a month and just shut everyone up. Yeah. I think. What do you think he's Rory's playing? So I just looked at the schedule. We got. Um, Wells Fargo and Byron Nelson with Mexico. Wells Fargo and Byron Nelson is he probably he's probably going to at least have a couple tune ups and then come re- be ready to go for the PGA. Yeah, I, I mean By- Byron's in Texas. I mean maybe he'll play that one. I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking Wells Fargo is that a elevated event? Wells Fargo is elevated, so I, he yeah. should play at the Wells. And he loves that course. Fargo, so technically, yeah. he could only miss one elevated event, right? And yeah, it's going to be interesting so. to see what happens, right? Yeah, you're only allowed to miss one of the twelve designated events for the PGA Tour. This is Rory's second miss, so. Who knows why he's skipping? I think even if he's he skipping once, he though, yeah, if he's skipping he for personal reasons, well, I think the fine was something mission. about like having to play like one live tournament or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? There could be a fine for Rory. I mean, I really, I don't know. I'm, I'm really disappointed. We'll get to it for the RBC this week, but I'm super disappointed not to be able to see Rory this week. But my proposition for Rory is that next year he just comes to Augusta on Monday and just plays it like a regular tournament. You don't set the expectations. You go out and you make sure your short game's sharp and your wedge game's sharp. I mean, that's the one thing that really, I think, took Rory out of that rut he was in after being, you know, number one player in the world to then falling and really not being the player he was, was that his wedge game got increasingly better over the past two or three years. And you have to have that at Augusta, right? You miss fairways, you got to be comfortable punching out and wedging up for par. So next year, I hope Rory just... Takes some of the baggage off and just comes into this thing like a normal tournament and freewheels it. I have a feeling Rory's going to have balls it. a little bit Free of ball. like a Mickelson esque vibe in terms of in the sense of he's gonna he's <laughs> all going with this one. No, that like once Phil won at Augusta, he then managed to roll off and win you know quite a few majors. What, you got what seven now? I think some or six or seven. I think Rory's going to finally at some point. I think he will get the green jacket. 
And I think once he does that, we're going to see him win three or four majors like relatively quick. One thing I noticed about Rory, and we can move on after this, but like, and maybe I'm wrong. I'm just because I don't know much about. This. But he was driving it so well that he was always kind of going for the pin on his second, and the second shot is like the hardest on a lot of these holes, and he wasn't really laying up a lot. And he just kind of that kind of came back to bite him. That's like the one thing I noticed on the when he was kind of pushing for it as well. So. Yeah, it felt like a little bit of a lack of respect for Augusta, and probably because yeah. due to like a little overconfidence. Like the guys played there so much over the past few weeks that he just felt like he knew it like the back of his hand, and yeah, came you get into tournament and things just change. All right, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned Phil. Let's talk about some of these uh, live guys. One thing I wanted to mention about Brooks is that if Brooks was Rory and Rory had the lead going in the final round and he did what Brooks did, which I thought was just kind of mediocre golf, oh, you guys would not have let that live. You would have been like, Rory's a live. choke artist. Oh, my God. I just wanted to mention that. I let's, was rooting for Brooks in my heart. Let's talk about Brooks, yeah. Phil, and then Patrick Reed sneaking in a top five, too. Oh, fuck Patrick. Do we have to talk about Patrick Reed? We don't have to talk about Patrick <laughs> Reed, but let's talk a little bit about Brooks. We talked about Phil a little bit. What did you guys think about Brooks? I mean, I think that we kind of, our narrative was that we believe in these live guys. We don't think that they're not going to contend in majors. They still have a ton of talent, and Brooks comes out and sets the world on fire, just maybe he struggles a little bit in the fourth round. The fact that they did contend this week, I mean, we saw Brooks up there, Patrick Reed begrudgingly, Phil, uh, <clears throat> Cam Smith had a decent weekend, good call in that Top game. Australian. But, Top like, Aussie. the fact that they came out there and competed, and, like, we saw, like, what things used to be, like those good times when all those guys were competing in majors against all these PGA Tour players, like that just makes me even more angry that like Liv has taken them away from us. Yeah, and I definitely agree. It's it's disappointing. I think full swing made me like Brooks, like made me realize again that Brooks oh, is like yeah. a guy in our lives. And like I kind of like, I wanted Rom to win, you know, a little bit of a Spanish connection, but like I, I also like in my heart, I was like, if Brooks wins this, I'll be really happy for him. Like I was like kind of pulling for him because he was like not in a great place a couple of years ago and It'd be awesome to see him like get over that. I thought it was I thought it was interesting, like the coverage leading up to the Masters. It was very clear that this whole like the play between the players, like the live players and the PGA tour players, that this beef, quote unquote, was like very manufactured by the media. Like and I think Brooks was like the case in point for that. Like he played practice around with Rory. He was like chatting it up with everyone out there on the course the whole weekend. Like People clearly still like being around Brooks and competing against Brooks, so it was, it was good to see him up there again. I mean, if in my mind, if any Liv player could have won it, I'm glad that he had the chance or the best chance to do it. I don't know if this is like Liv's long-term plan, but I was just ready to lay down the swords this weekend and be like, kumbaya, like, I'm not even mad about Liv anymore. This is so much fun watching these guys compete again. I still like inherently have an issue with Liv, I would say. I still don't support it. But my God, it was so much fun to see these guys back in contention because of what they bring to the table, their personalities and their amazing golf ability. Yeah, and I think Augusta did a really good job of setting the stage to allow that to happen. Like the PJ Tour has been very, like the Players Championship, for example, like they didn't even acknowledge Cam Smith won last year versus Augusta, like, they're like, we're here, we're putting all that aside for this weekend to have the best players playing the best major. And then it was just about the golf versus, you know, everything being live versus PGA. And so I, I think that kind of led to those guys getting out there and being able to play well and kind of avoid some of the distractions that otherwise would have been there. As you were talking, I was thinking, like, it seems like the PGA has been very adversarial and then the Masters was very deferential to the whole thing. They were just basically like... You know, especially with the pairings we talked about on, on like the last week on the pod, like it's they pretty much just let it happen organically, which seemed like the right decision. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And like obviously Augusta and I love it, like they definitely look at themselves as kind of being above everyone else in terms of the golf world, in terms of just what the tournament is. And I mean I think John Rom even said as much in his like speech, like that's kinda of how it is. So I agree they definitely handled it right. And I will say like I'm I'm with Colin. Like, if there's any guy that would want back from Liv, I think it probably would be Brooks, maybe Cam. Um, DJ, but, probably those three. Eh, DJ, DJ's, again, he's meh to me. He doesn't, he doesn't we're sell. Not, we're not in it for DJ. He doesn't sell the farm. You know? I think I'm everyone not, is a package. But I, will, but I will say is, like, with Brooks, like, we really only want to see him in majors, right? Like, do, do we really care about Brooks in a non-major event? Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. So, so like, why would we? Exactly. So, like, if, as long as these those names that you know we're we're talking about can get into majors and maintain the exemptions that they have, I mean, I don't really care if I don't see them again. So, I think every single guy that went to live, they all kind of have their own story. And I think you think Bryson, and I'm just going to put Cam Smith in that same group. Maybe even HV3, even though HV3 was very out, up, up front about I'm taking the money. These are the guys that left that upset me because they just took the money and didn't care about the competition. But I think Brooks is a really unique example of 
he was, and we saw it all throughout the coverage this weekend, but struggling with injuries. I mean, the guy kind of thought he might never compete at the highest level again. We saw it on full swing. We saw him saying stuff like that in the interviews. But I think Brooks is a unique example where, like, I would happily have him back because I don't think he left purely because he's not interested in competing anymore. He didn't think he'd ever be healthy enough, too. I think Brooks is the favorite, current betting favorite, to be the first person that comes back to live from live to PGA when that that does eventually happen. Yeah, he would have needed to win this week though to try to get that, some of that f- penalty that he has to pay three three percent back. When it's possible, it fiscally possible, <laughs> I think he's going to be the first one that comes back. Yeah, uh, a healthy Brooks Kepka playing in majors is amazing for the game of golf. I mean, he was arguably one of the best major players of all time when he went on that little run there because it was just he was on a completely different level than anybody else and of course got hurt and was a shell of himself so it's great to see him back and it's going to do wonders is he in the rest of the majors for yeah the year? Well, like, I, just with that finish he's, he gets into all the other oh, majors okay. plus he cool. already i think still had some exemptions from his like 2018 2019 wins but ben to your point like i think you saw this week there's a clear distinction of guys who went to live to kind of not take golf as seriously. Kevin, no. I think Cam Smith's in that category. He's talked a lot about how little he's practiced over yeah. the last few months. HV3, the same category. I think you saw that with DJ. I mean, he was never relevant at all this he's week. Twilight. He's, he's just, just coasting off in the sunset. out there doing his own thing. And versus um, Brooks, obviously, has been grinding his ass off. And, and I would even say it about Phil. I mean, he's I can't been believe that. beaten down. I disagree with Phil. And he's he talked after the round. He said he's been working and preparing for the Masters for like a year now, and that's all he's been concerned with. So that's why he was so bad at golf for the last you know six months. Yeah, he's only been worried about this. And Green that, just and weren't this. undulated enough or fast well, enough. He just couldn't do anything. I think the point about DJ and Brooks is a really good one because he saw in full swing when DJ was like, "I've had a fifteen year career. I've done. My, I've made my name for myself. I got a great life. I'm kind of ready to move on." And Brooks was like sitting there conflicted with blonde hair, and he's like, "God damn it! I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> I think to do." The blonde hair life. is such a vibe. Like if you're going through some shit, yeah. you just bleach your hair. We kind of compare those two, but, but like DJ's a little bit older than Brooks too. So it's like, I mean, there's, you know, Brooks still feel like he had a lot of unfinished business. I feel like. All right. Let's talk about some other guys. Your guy, Kenny, Victor Hovland, Didn't right? Pick him, First round lead. Jay Lindbergh sold out. Kind of limps at no, home. He sold out. He limps at home the last three days. Let's talk, let's, talk, let's talk about his golf and then also <laughs> his outfits, right? His first round Thursday outfit had the golf Twitter world aghast, right? And I thought it was a cool shirt, honestly. I mean, it's a new look for Jay Lindenberg. But then Victor had a similar shirt in a different colorway playing for round two. For all of them. He had four shirts. Four shirts. They brought out four new shorts. Sorry, I don't mean to derail the conversation. (laughs) No, you should. This is important. They brought out four new shirts that they released, Jay Lindbergh released, just for the Masters that he was going to wear each one, all four rounds. He came out with the first one, probably the most out there one. We had people like Colt Nost and everyone else on the coverage. Colt Nost. To making all these jokes about it that didn't land in the slightest. <laughs> Put it in the wash from the high. Very and tone he, deaf. And yeah. he comes out round two, and he's just completely off script, just wearing the same shit he's worn for months. Yeah, you might as well embrace it at that point. I think yes. Vic really could have owned that. I think that we lack a little bit of color and personality right now in the golf, fa- well, on the PGA Tour fashion side. Like, the, the amateur fashion side, I think, is blowing up. But some of these tour guys, right, they're just very bland. Jordan's all blue. JT's got a little gray sin, but, like, we got guys, Matt Fitzpatrick, all blue, right? Sketchers. I think that this is a this is a potential space for Vic. He could really blow this up and make it, like, his new thing. I mean, he was sinking some putts early on. He made that 50-footer, and he, like, you know, he actually was putting pretty well in the beginning, but he just couldn't, he couldn't separate. He just stayed at that six, seven under number the entire time. I, I think he really got hurt by who he was playing with on Sunday. He was starting to really make a run and then just kind of ran out of steam because he's got Cantlay dragging ass way behind him. Five birdies in a row. Can I make a – so I don't want to derail us like Colin did, but <laughs> I would like to mention that podcast, this, is a, this is a highly contended topic on golf Twitter right now about Cantlay's slow play. But I'd like to bring up that uh, they didn't finish. They were on 18 fairway when the group in front of them was on 18 green. So as much as shit as we're giving Cantlay, it sounds like it's more of a systemic issue and he's more of a poster child well, for it. Do you, you know who the group quote? In, the group in front of them was uh, Sam Bennett, who also I was, well, he was very disappointed in his pace this weekend. Yeah, I think he's twice as <laughs> Give him a break. Yeah, so they played, they played twosomes and they played in four hours and 45 minutes, which is long, sure. but it is also Augusta. Like, I know Cantley is a slow player. I'm not saying he's not, but 
this feels like something like we're telling the pros what they should be angry about. And some of the pros are upset. Some of them are like, it's just golf. Like there's Brooks so many so things. so impatient, you, dude. He yeah. was so impatient. Like there's said. so many things you could get mad about in a golf round. That, so they're like, I'm just not going to make slow play one of them. But golf Twitter is like, you need to be mad about this. But that doesn't actually affect us too much. Like cer- certainly the coverage is a little off. Maybe we're watching guys wait, but there's plenty of other like content to fill the coverage with. So I don't know why this has become such a big issue. Back to Vic. I think I, I think I mean he is sneaky. Been around a lot of top tens lately. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I, I don't know. I know he's got to improve parts of his game, but he's, I think he's undoubtedly top ten guy in the world right now. I mean, like don't ever one on U.S. soil though. I mean, the he's getting the whole country behind him. The people in Oslo love it, baby. He's very it. aware of the shortcomings in his game, and he's worked hard at them. Yeah, right? he, while he not real good short, right? While not losing the parts that make him who he is, right? Driving the ball and ball striking. and he, But he's worked on his short game and putting that's getting better. He'll no doubt win a major. It's just I don't know if it's going to be in this year or five years. We saw the Thursday round. Vic making putts is a very scary player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then how about the amateur, right? We talked about him a little bit earlier. We do know he's a slow player, but Sam Bennett, right? Shoots four under, four under. He's slow. eight under going into the weekend. I think that some people thought his comments about Ridge... Ridgewood yeah. being tougher than Augusta came off as him being cocky and thinking Augusta wasn't very hard. There's probably some recency bias for him having shot eight under and being in second at Augusta, but I think his top his his point is not lost on me. Like I think Augusta doesn't play super hard when you're not out of position. So it's if you're not hitting meant the ball, to be a hard course, right? It's meant to just yeah. penalize you when you're yeah. not focused or making bad shots, right? I don't know. It's kind of funny how he said it and then immediately came out and wasn't able to. Kind of capture the round one, round two magic. But I, you know what someone else said? What's he supposed to say? I don't think I have a chance this weekend, or I don't think this course is – I think this course is so hard I'm not going to – you got to have a little bit of a winner's mentality. It, it came out a little disrespectful to the course of Augusta. Now, what, what I liked about him is he seemed confident but not cocky. That's what, what I kind of liked about him. He wasn't backing down. He's like, yeah, I, I can chase these guys down. But, I mean, he didn't. But it's like he, he wasn't overly cocky about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm an amateur here playing awesome. But I think he was just confident in his ability, which I kind of appreciated. Good yeah, I, I appreciate the comments. Shaking and, like, that boots out there. He should have been very confident, 100%. He – was in the group of Scotty Scheffler and outplayed him for two straight days. Like, yeah, he plays yeah. with two top five players, yeah. Homa and Scheffler. Like, uh, he hangs right. Should be very him. confident. Beat them both, one hundred percent. It just was a weird, in my mind, a very weird comment to make at Augusta at that course, given the history, given what it's known and the you know, reverence yeah. behind it. It was just kind of. I probably wouldn't say it again if he had the you know the chance to say that yeah, it, it it felt like you know he kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit so what does he do now i mean i this is maybe a dumb question he has another event this week but like so he didn't get paid and he's still finishing college and i all money he, he got mm-hmm. a lot of money did he from nil he had like what 10 logos all over his shirt oh okay but like what what's his like does he have to still go to the corn ferry tour and like, or like what's his actual path to becoming a pro so right now he's part of the pga tour use top 10 so the top 10 players in college golf get a certain number of exemptions on the pga tour he's texas a&m right yeah so i think he's yeah. top five i think top three or top five get like a you know partial status on the pga tour and then three through ten get full exemption full status on the corn ferry so yeah you'll see sam's gonna need to grind out a little bit but i got every reason to believe this kid can contend he seems to me like the pga should be like you're on the tour now like, it just seems like it should happen He's gotten a lot of sponsor exemption offers this year, like the API, the Honda, yeah. the Valspar, and yeah. he's turned them all down. He's like, I'm only worried about the Masters right now. Yeah, good for him. He's also passionate about amateur golf, which I can really appreciate, right? Bobby Jones is like the best amateur ever. I mean, I think that we went through that 20, 30-year period where as soon as you were good enough, like Akshay, you go pro. But I think that there's a lot to learn. Like we see with Rose Zhang at Stanford, like play out your years in amateur golf. I think it's not like other sports where maybe you get injured, so you immediately go pro so you can cash out. I think there's a lot to be learned, and Sam has shown, you know, when they asked him, like, why do you think you're playing better than all the other amateurs? He's like, when you say he's confident and not cocky, he goes, yeah, I just, I prepared harder, I worked harder. My caddy here, we have a game plan. Like, that's why I'm outperforming them. It's not like because I'm naturally better than them. It's like I'm outworking them. Yeah, and I think he played with quite a chip on his shoulder, too, because all you heard about leading up to Thursday's rounds were Gordon Sargent just hits the absolute piss out of the ball, and he's hitting every green with a nine iron at most because he hits the ball so far, and he's, like, so much better than the other amateurs. And then I think he was, like, third from being dead last, missed the cut. So Sam, you know, went out there, and he's certainly a guy that plays his own game. He's got a, one of those kind of quirky swings with, with how much he's leaning over and, and just his game in general. But you kept waiting for him to fade significantly. 
after the first round, after the second round, State. third round, he's playing with Rom and Kepka in the final group, and he and then Morikawa in, in the final round. I mean, yeah, he didn't finish in the top five, whatever, but no he coverage. never really faded. His weekend performance was still like <laughs> at least average, if not better than average. Yeah, yeah, like he, you would have expected a guy like that to go out and shoot like an eighty. Yeah, in round three, it never got to him. He and, just got a little yeah. loose. Yeah. So, like, obviously, the keys clearly has all the talent, like, to have success. You know, obviously, being able to compete at Augusta as an amateur, he's in the top ten collegially. Who would you compare him to? Just like on the little bit that we've seen, maybe Ben's seen a little bit more, kind of being more embraced in like some of that amateur golf. Like, who would you compare him to, PJ Tour wise, either currently or like, you know, even in the past? Like, what kind of career would you expect for him? I mean, he's got the pedigrees similar to JT and Jordan, but then there's also guys like Davis Riley and just some of these other small. Like, there's there's definitely going to be like a division in the path here. He could go either way, but he's got a pedigree that could lead him to the success that Jordan and JT have I, had. I look at him in a, as a guy who's got a really high floor or a, a, a solid floor, but I don't think his ceiling is you know top golfer in the world. Like he seems like a guy who's going to be able to grind it out and make a pretty good living, but a mule, it, yeah, <laughs> a mule. These are the guys that I think Liv should be picking off. I was serious. I think I sent a text like oh, a I, I was serious when, candidate. I, when I think that Liv should offer him like fifteen to twenty million dollars right now. Like I think that like if they're like if they've been offering two hundred million to other guys, like grab a guy like him and take a chance. They have money. Like if I were, it's a good business decision. Just take the headlines and pull them over to Liv and just keep him. Like that'd be happy targeting. Yeah, I think they're just kind of fooling the, on their lineups right now. Like I'm not sure they're going to make any moves this year, but. Yeah, like James Piott and then Eugenia Chicaro. I mean, both these guys had elite amateur careers yeah. and made that move. I mean, Sam Bennett. I'm saying I agree with it. I'm just saying they should prime, be stealing the next generation. He's a prime candidate for it, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's get to Tiger, too. Right, we had him make the cut on the number after the number moved. JT and Sungjae kind of bogey late there on, on the rain on Saturday morning. Tiger makes the cut. He looks like he's struggling and has to end up withdrawing halfway through round three. Just give me your thoughts on, like, where did he fall as far as your expectations? And then maybe going forward, what do we expect from Tiger? I mean, I'm going to say, like, his game looked a little worse than I expected. But I like I think what we all – what I know we said it on the podcast last week was, like, the weather is going to be the biggest factor for him. And I think the moment, you know, we saw where, like, his draw and, like, as the weather, like, forecast got more, you know, pinpoint as we got closer to, you know, the first tee – you know, it kind of became clear that he wasn't barring some, you know, historical Tiger magic kind of thing. He, he never really stood a chance because he was going to have to play in the worst of the weather, uh, finishing round two, round three, like we ended up seeing. So, I mean, it was tough to watch. I'm glad he didn't finish round three. I'm glad he pulled that, uh, just when no, I said it. Bad for the brand. I, 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 I mean, it, <laughs> is it bad for the brand or would it be worse to see him just gimping around all you know, the whole place? So I mean, like, bad for his body, bad it, for the brand. It, it was sad to see, but I mean, I I, I think he, we are in a situation where if the weather's bad, I don't think we're ever going to see Tiger compete at this. Like, like, I don't know if we'll ever see him in the same level, obviously, but I don't think we're going to see him compete uh, if he is in a situation where he has to play more than eighteen holes in a day. Maybe like St. Andrews where it's really flat, but that's the only place I think I could see. Well, that, I saw that last year. That's that's how I came into this Masters week was his game is there. We saw it at Riviera, and he just couldn't last. And it's like if conditions are perfect, he can still hang with these guys on his best day. But he never had it. Like even in great conditions, he was not hitting the ball well. I don't know how he made the cut, but – you know, JT helped. That's a pretty, yeah, pretty impressive accomplishment that he actually made the cut, and then thank God didn't try and go out there for the the Sunday round after he WD'd. But it it makes me really worried going forward because even in the best of conditions, he he still did not have it and was not able to put up solid numbers. I, mean, I can't even be upset. We're 30, and if it's raining outside, I wake up and like my knee hurts a little. <laughs> Got a little like, creak in the elbow. Someone, the Jay Day, Jason Day came out in a conference <sighs> after the round saying that he played with Tiger somewhere and one of his screws that pierced, was at the PGA last year. Pierced through the skin. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone's questioning that Tiger didn't have like the best surgeons in the world. So I think his procedures probably went well. But my God, that guy is like Iron Man. Like his leg is completely different. And I mean, I'm glad he didn't finish, and I'm actually kind of surprised he made the cut. I think I'm I'm impressed by it. I think Dub hit the nail on the head. I don't know if he's going to have ever going to have four really good Tiger rounds in a row ever again. Maybe once in a blue moon, but like he can hang one round, two rounds, but it just seems impossible to get that third, fourth round in. 
Yeah, and it's it's a shame to say, but I think Augusta just really isn't the course for it at right. this point, just because of the aggressive, aggressive slopes and everything. That it's just, and as soon as he does that, he ends up getting some level of "ow, this hurts," and then sets him back going into the other majors. It's unfortunate. I think the like the video of him limping, of which we all saw, like on the you know on the it's course, brutal. Like, that could be the defining kind of fulcrum point at the end, like of his career. Like it's kind of like. Not defining moment, but like that could be like, all right, that's that felt like the end. I don't, I don't, don't want to remember that. Like, yeah, I don't want I that to be like my last right. memory. Of oh, just yeah. make that a small. The token. crazy thing yeah. was like, oh, that's his leg. No, that's just plantar fasciitis. He's got another big problem with his leg or foot. Yeah. You guys, you guys, anti cart, no cart. Well, he, I don't he's think, anti cart. No, yeah, he is came out aggressively. Won't. Like, like in majors, he probably won't get that opportunity. I, no, he won't. I kind of yeah. saw this week as him realizing he's done. Yeah. Like he, he said it could be I, like, I hope it's not his but it could tune be. last year and all these majors was I'm showing up because I think I can win. And this year he kind of softened a lot on that and was talking about, yeah, in three years, I'll be out there riding a cart, kicking Freddie's ass on the champions tour. Like he never would have said that before, but he's well, kind of seeing that sunset of his career and turning into that, which is okay. Yeah, it's okay. So let's, Father time gets everybody. Let's yeah. let's just talk about that statement though for a second. Saying in three years I'll be riding around in a cart and kicking Freddie's ass on the Champions Tour. How I kind of interpret that, and this is going aggressively optimistic here, is that he's therefore playing a little bit more in the competitive golf, getting a little bit more Come of that back to the majors. Getting, well, well, he's still going to be able to go play Augusta, no, know, you know, whenever yeah. he wants. Freddie's still making cuts. exactly. Yeah. So like the, the part of the you know his game, you know that we you, know, you worry about you see is like does he have you know just that little bit of touch that little bit of feel that you know you need from the repetition and he's he said as much in you know many interviews like would that actually become his best chance to come back and compete is because he's playing a little bit more competitive golf rather than you know going to medalists you know a great course in its own right but that's a little bit more yeah. obviously relaxed you know it's a whole different mindset yeah who knows i think we've all kind of wondered like as uh as much of an assassin as he's been his whole career, is he going to be able to transition into that almost ceremonial role where he's just there, you know, for people to pay tribute almost, and he's not going to compete, but he's there to generate the buzz and and kind of like what Jack did late in his career. Is he going to be able to do that? And I, I think we saw this week, I think he's realizing that's more of where his future's at right now. And I think that's the mindset he's going to need to have to actually randomly out of nowhere capture right. that magic like couples did this i mean it, that's exactly the same thing incredible you know, we saw we've seen like a tom watson have a yeah. like a you know run it a major Phil, kind of thing. Phil, a pga yeah i think it's 50. gonna be something along those lines all right another news this is the beginning of our uh our golf league at musket ridge which is the highly anticipated event that i can i'm introducing it now was the best golfer at this week is that true no. Highly anticipated part's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if we're looking at standings, Colin is actually second in the league right now. All right, Colin. I don't understand I the point. So. I don't ooh, understand ooh, the point. Can someone explain the point system to me? 19, Colin had 19 points. What does that mean? Yeah, it's Stableford. So you get two points for a par, three points for a birdie, one point for a bogey. All net, right? Yeah. And I got four. So, so pretty, much pretty, much <laughs> la- pretty much last. So let's, go, let's do the rundown. So, like, yeah. let me just say that you set – so when you're doing the Stableford math, like, barring no, like, major variances on the high and low end, 18 is the score you get where if you shoot your handicap. So you get, like, two points because you get a net par on every hole, two points. 18 is kind of, like, the threshold. If you shoot around 18, you're good. If you shoot over 18, like 20-something, that means you had a great day. And I just want to get – I want to get ahead of this. This is the worst round I had in a long time, but, you know, it's only up from here. I, I, can you like – The score is going to get higher? Yeah. Ken, you're like Rory. You're two in your own head. You get out there yeah. on the course. You know there's there's things on the line, and you 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 panicked a little bit. I mean, yeah. I was riding in the car. Oh, I did. I no, I definitely. I've played definitely many did. rounds with you. I could tell that you were panicked. So well, first competitive round in my life. Dub was like, "Is this the first competitive round of golf you ever played?" And I was like, "Oh shit." So let's let's <laughs> unpack this a little bit, Ken. What what went wrong? What what do you think? You know, when you look back on it, what, did the trees and grass just look different than you expected? <laughs> what went wrong is that all my group of friends forced me to be in a golf. Course. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make you do it. Worst best decision ever podcast. And then, no, uh, I actually, think, I mean, it was. I think actually, I'm pretty excited about it. It's just like I was. The, you know, the biggest thing I learned is that is putting. You really can't. You really can't go past the hole every time. I think I'm five of the holes. I pretty much putted it five six feet past the hole because i was trying to make it and then i was coming back and i missed the one on the way back and i pretty much added five strokes and i also 
you know, you can't fluff the ball with your boys out there and on the le- in league play. So I pretty much was right behind a tree four times in a row, and then I had to poke out in the fairway. So those two things, I pretty much lost four strokes on putting and then four strokes on just not being able to. I do. Right I do tree. want it noted for you, Ken, that you may have had four points, but you didn't have the negative four that somebody else had. So yeah. I mean, you're not in last. You're it's killing okay. it. But he did lose the uh, Ken Miller, Ken Filler duel. Yeah, Ken Miller so did destroy you. Ken he Miller lost. may be sandbag. He lost the battle. <laughs> Ken, Ken lost Miller. the battle, but not the war. Hey, Ken the war. Miller, if you're listening, fuck you. <laughs> I think Ken, like a cordial welcome to you, to the world of like just figuring out the small the, pieces. The world. Like the small pieces of golf to make you better, right? You start really keeping score. I, know. I actually am excited about it. You really figure out like, you know like not short-sighting yourself and having good places to get up and down from. And like when you're in the trees, like taking your medicine, like this is all the stuff that like when people grind their handicaps, they're looking for every little piece they can get better at. Yeah. First hole, I was like, I was, um, you're feeling confident after that first tee shot. Well, we won't talk about Ben's first tee shot. (laughs) No, we will. I like, yeah, yeah, why not? What happened? But what what I'm trying to say is I went off, I went to the left and I was like, all right, I can actually like, I was like Rory at Augusta. Like I can still get it up there. And then I basically hit a tree directly straight on, like in the middle of it. And I was behind the tree, punched out straight in the water quad to start. Was that karma though? Was, was that karma after your reaction to, you did laugh undisclosed members first tee shot. I mean, I, I really do think that was. I think I've fun. garnered enough respect where everyone in the, everyone in the crowd was just like silent, and Ken's like, "Oh, you fucking suck!" <laughs> when you have a video saved in your phone of me topping the ball <laughs> at Musket, and then start of the league, you top it. The first uh, time in my life I've ever seen you top a ball, and the guy who runs the league was basically like, "He's still getting par." <laughs> I'm like, I wish I had that. Better I mean, it was an uncanny moment. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, it was, I'm sure you would. Actually, it was very humorous, but. Yeah, so let's like go through a, scores. Like a therapy session. Right, so Ben and Dub at 41, not too stellar start for the season for us. But then Colin coming in with a super strong 42, second in the league. Wow, in, is that in, what it was? In point standings. Yeah, Tully with a 45 and Ken in the 50s, but soon to come down. Yeah, and let's... let's, yeah. let's upper, upper 50s. <laughs> Somewhere in the 50s. Let's remember that it, it was windy. It, that it is, was, was a tough It day. was a tough nope. day if you had a ball flight that goes more than about seven feet off the ground. Not a lot of people are talking about that. Yeah, I think that I shoot a 41. I'm not happy about it. I didn't hit the ball that bad, but then like... Yeah, you played like shit. We had like 20, 25 mile hour winds at times. Like there were some times where the winds were pretty strong and I don't know. Definitely felt like I grinded it out, but you know, I would say two, three, to, two to five extra shots just because of the wind. Easy. That's what I'm built for. Honestly, Ben, that was the first time I feel like you were like a little mad that I've seen you be a little mad. Uh, yeah, there was like part Did of me you? that was like, I don't even want to go to this 19th like hole. Some of the I'm put- like, stop being a bitch. Well, the putting was like a big deal. I was like, I Greens was like, fast. trying to actually hit those putts. Like, oh man, shit. No, the greens were fast and it was windy. I mean, at the course, I yeah. think was not playing very easy. I mean, I think that looking back on it, these scores aren't that bad. They feel like high, but no, the course was playing difficult. And that front nine's tough too. I mean, compared to the back nine. Let's not forget we were also playing as a sixum. So you the sixum yeah, vibes we were interesting. So I was telling Tully earlier, like I liked it, but then there were times where I just like had no idea how anyone else was playing because there's so many people to watch. Like I was telling Tully, Dub, like when we play, I feel like you know this too. Like we usually have an idea of like where each other is right. if we're gonna beat each other. Dub could have been like one under or eight over. I had no clue. That was the, and this is kind of a trend in my game, like. I felt like I played really well. Like I hit one or two bad shots and shot 41 because I hit five greens or, you know, and then missed two other greens by like a foot. And I just can't score. Like I three putted two or three holes. I feel like putting fucked us all. Yeah, I just, I couldn't get in a rhythm on those greens. And I was, I hit a lot of good drives, a lot of good approach shots and just like sucked everywhere else. There was a couple times you played it. I think it was on seven. You were like, that's exactly what I was trying not to do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was a good quote. I was, yeah, it was. Whatever I do, I am not putting this putt past the hole. And I'm like seven feet by. And yeah, that's the biggest thing I learned. Just try to two putt. Just try to two putt every time. Really Lag putting. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's close this segment out, Ken, there with with your first impressions on the league. Like, do you like it? You want to come back? What are your favorite parts about it? I'm excited. For the first time, well, you know what? In my <laughs> you know, life. You know what he did in next, my life. You know, so in your I, life. For the next day, I was driving down to Maryland, and I, I left my clubs in my car because I, I thought I would get out and try to, like, hit some, you know, hit nice. some chips on the range. I didn't actually get out because I had to get home earlier, but, like, I was like, I think that's going to be my kind of vibe now. I'm going to try to actually practice one other time a week. That's my goal. Welcome to the try to practice. show. I know, because I was like, 
I actually went to bed. I was like sleep. I was like laying in bed that night after shower. <laughs> yes. I was like looking at the ceiling. I was looking at the ceiling. your back <laughs> trying to calm you down. I was like looking at the ceiling like. I can't believe I fucking three-putted through. <laughs> well, as, I was like, as much as golf is a big part of my life now, I should probably be a little better at it. And I was just staring at the ceiling. That's I was amazing. like, God damn it. Fuck this. You are our trend. Breaking 90 is Ken. Even yeah. though you consistently break 90, it's just. Consistently? No, I don't. Well, Even though you have broken nine, you shot an eighty-six that we have heard about allegedly <laughs> that one time, <laughs> that one time, probably with Eric. There I think I think Zippy may out, have been right? sucking up, but you know, watch out, Davis Love the Third. I'm coming for your course this week, baby. And then nineteenth hole, Ken. We had a, a a bleak showing at the nineteenth hole. There were only us and maybe five or six other guys max, but. A lot of times that 19th hole will be 20 guys deep, and it's a little more fun. But first impressions oh, on the I really 19th. enjoyed well, the glass, 17 transfusions. Yeah, but out of a glass, I don't know. Transfusions that need to be out of a plastic yeah. cup. It feels like the, the It's volume. more eco-friendly. I, think, I thought you were liberal. I think we're going with the Easter Bunny fizz or whatever the yeah. specialty drink oh, was. That, sounds, that sounds like that sounded crack or good. I do like that Easter our first... Easter Bunny fizz, what is that? <laughs> Don't ask. Isn't that what it was called? <laughs> it was something like that. I think it was... Yeah, yeah that's what it was called. I think it was rimmed in... Like, oh, rimmed? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my. Damn, Easter Got Bunny. Got it. He'll get you. <laughs> Put that I, in the intro. I would like to comment that the, the <laughs> first <laughs> glass, the first glass drink, the first glass drink that we received was like I want to say it was like a thirteen ounce drink and it had like a thicker bottom, like a fancier glass drink. And then the second round of glass drinks were like a big old fat twenty ounce glass yeah. drinks. Like they, they caught on pretty quick. Nothing better than a styrofoam cup, though. All right, so we have a great week coming up. A few guys here in the room. We are headed down to the RBC Heritage, which has always been a really fun event to attend. It's got a lot of Heritage, we'll call it. And the big thing <laughs> the, the big thing about this Boo. week is that this event is one of the new elevated events on the PGA Tour, so it's got a $20 million purse. And come to find out now, these guys have to play in these events. This field we're looking at is outrageous. We got Scotty, Rom, Cantlay, Morikawa, Xander, Vic, Spieth. Is Rom still in it? Cam Young, yep. Tony, Sungjae, JT, Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry, Tyrrell Hatton, Tom Kim, Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler. I mean, that's an unbelievable that's awesome list. Field. And James Hahn's going to be there too. I think I don't. <laughs> I don't want to get with a straight face for a second. For two days at least, he'll be there Thursday, Friday for two days at most. I don't want to get back on the uh, Rory uh, shame train here, but Rom playing in this makes Rory withdrawing look so much worse. I I think there's something like he's hurt, or there's something really hurt. going on in his life. Yeah, I think there's a lot going on in his life, and we know about it. It's that he's he been the PGA Tour commissioner jacket. for the yeah. past six months. Can't I mean, I think a cut. I, I mean, I'll give Jordan respect. To, I think that Jordan has to play in this thing, being the defending champion. But he's been very upfront about his mental fatigue, having played eleven weeks in a row. I mean, Rory's kind of in the same boat, so I, I don't blame Rory for taking off. We certainly have like a. It's different because he's not allowed. No. He's technically not allowed to, yeah. right? I mean, I'm gonna be. I'm pissed not being able to see yeah. Rory. Did, did you shed a tear that he's not playing? I don't want to talk about soon. it. I don't want to talk about he's it. Gonna, he's wearing. He's like packing his like Rory's shoes. And like, <laughs> <laughs> here's the question: Do you think we'll see any golfers? Off the court, like out, out or like walking around. I know they're probably all staying at houses in Harbor Town. James Hahn. Uh, James Hahn will probably be at the bar, yeah. A couple of mules drinking mules. A couple yeah. of mules. Well, the question <laughs> is, will we recognize them? Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll see a lot of It's like of seeing Stephen Malbon at Kurt We have a golf podcast. Colin, <laughs> is that Stephen Malbon? <laughs> I think we'll see one. I think we'll see one person out driving around or something. I think the only thing that we have to contend with here is we're going to the Saturday round. God oh, forbid, God forbid <laughs> some of these big names don't make the cut, which is really likely. It's highly likely, right? It's, of course, a lot of these guys don't play consistently, so some of them might not know it. Oh, so basically nothing changed regarding Rory being there or not being there. All right. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to see I did see one tweet. Someone said, uh, as hilly as Augusta gets credit for, no one's giving Harbortown enough credit for how tight it is. I think that this is going to be a fun one for me to see because I don't know. I haven't played a course down south like a tour caliber course in quite some time. You start seeing how tree-lined these fairways are, you think, this hole's 450. i got to hit driver here. I want to hit like a nine iron off this team. Well, it's so different because it's not just big trees like you're used to. It's these trees with the Spanish moss hanging down. So if you're not on the right side of the fairway, like you got to go around trees. Right. You can even hit fairways. Like hitting a fairway is a huge bonus for me. But when we were playing there, it's like, oh, I'm in the fairway. I have to punch out because you played there? Not Harbor Town, oh. but a course with that similar style where it's just so much more narrow than it seems. So I think the other thing that's going to potentially be an interesting storyline here is we haven't seen many elevated events that are also full field events. So we got 
a lot of guys in this field, you know, when you qualify for the Genesis, you're usually a very good player. Like, and, and all these guys are great, but to get into the Genesis, you certainly have to be high in the world rankings. There's a ton of sponsor exemptions this year that could go out balls to the wall and just post a number. So we could be seeing an event where we have Scotty, Rom, Cantley, Morikawa, and a guy comes from behind and wins. That's just like a nobody. That's going to be an interesting. That could, that's a potential interesting storyline. One of the questions. One of the things I'm curious about looking at this week is I've never been to a tournament that's like interwoven into like. Um, into houses and like in it, like I've always been to a tournament that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of like in its own space necessarily. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm curious about the viewing experience here, whether we like stay tight to the, the main holes or we really go through the entire course one hole at a time. It's good. We're going to have to kind of manage that, especially with the women there. Are they going to stay? Yeah, I think we'll split. Are they going to stay? Accidentally lose. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to find a spot in the shade. Uh, yeah. and I'm going to sit with them too. <laughs> yeah. So are we going to like walk all 18? Because I'd like to see the entire course, but that's a lot of walking. I, I would suggest you guys, especially on a Saturday round, pick, a grouping, a, a duo that is maybe not at the top, but like has a big name in it, and you yeah. walk the course with them. Yeah. Just, I mean, who yeah. knows when you're going to get back there? You've never been there before. Like yeah. we go to court, we go to tournaments up here. Like we've been to these courses three or four times already, so we can we know where to post up if we want to watch some golf. But like, I think when you go down there, you gotta. Just walk walk it, it the whole just, thing. Yeah, walk the course. See what it's like. It's like see you five hours from now. <laughs> and it's it's no stadium, honey. It's no stadium course. It's actually really kind of not that set up to host yeah. an elevated event. I think it was kind of an off the wall decision to make this an elevated event. I think the course and the tournament has a lot going on. It's got a lot going for it. It's it's more of a party vibe. It's more like even if you're not into golf, come to this thing. But it's a pretty intimate course. Like there's not a lot of places for patrons to be. So I think but the houses are like so close to the, very, like the, like yeah. the yards are like right there. It's like kind of the courses we play at down in like Myrtle and stuff. It's like yeah. some guy could be in his backyard. Just I'm like, counting hey, on you getting you in, looking out. For yeah. I'm getting invited to a house party. I'm counting on you getting into a house party yeah. or at least I, like seeing randomly you run across the fairway to go get you know <laughs> fireball shots from the guy that promised you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're yeah. four holes ahead. <laughs> yeah, you'll see me. Saturday. You can watch the Cantlay group and get the fireball shots and we'll be on 18. We'll run back. Like a man is on the course running. <laughs> oh, it's fine. He's just getting a drink. He is in the yeah. CW. Do we have do we have any actually like golf takes for this? Or we just so it's Masters week, so we really don't. It's we Masters do, week. I'm all over Ricky week. this week. Yeah, I do want to let's talk about some picks and then we'll talk yeah. about uh our other festivities for the weekend. As I just <laughs> said, uh, I'm all over Ricky. It's like Ben kind of alluded previously and you know, even now this is an event that has all those sponsors exemptions, even though Ricky does get into all the elevated events. Um, as part of just you know being a name, basically popular. Yeah. Um, but he he's been obviously we've seen his game kind of take a turn for the better this pat this year, and he's actually been in this event for the last two or three years at this point, not having great performances as he was kind of struggling with his game. But we've seen him kind of you know start to hit the ball way more accurate on a tight course. It's going to help him now. He's in a position where he's seen this course plenty of times, playing better. I just feel like it's great odds at plus fifty five hundred in a field that's going to include a Scotty, a John, a Jordan, a JT, and all those other names. you know. And it's also golf's going to be better if Ricky is better. And you kind of want to see that. And he's got to be sick of not being in these majors at this point. You know, so Ricky wins this event. You're like, okay, he's back. But it, I, I feel like the comparisons are going to be tough in 10 years when you say he won an RBC Heritage. And it's going to be like, oh, that's like a Valspar. Or that's like a... That's like an RBC Canadian or something like that. But it's like, they'll, we'll forget that this was an elevated event this year and the field was, I think the, the similarities from year over year are going to be really tough not knowing which yeah, ones were elevated. But Ricky's a sniper, right? This is a course, and I'll say with my pick, but you got to be good with your mid and long irons. You're going to have a lot of par fours where you're not hitting driver off the tee. You're just trying to keep it down the middle. Maybe there's a dog leg. So big mid iron, long iron course, lots of long par threes. That's why I'm going with the best iron player in the world, Double L, Colin Morikawa. I, I, yep. I, I caught a little shade, or I was shooting a little shade over Colin Morikawa here at the Masters, but I certainly don't doubt his ability. I think this is a course that he just he rakes it up. He's had a top seven here two years ago, made the cut three straight years. A lot of these big names, right, don't play in this tournament. So we, it's it's not like you want to fade a Scotty and you don't want to fade a Cantlay and a Rom, but these guys don't know this course that well. So I'm looking for a guy that's got a little experience but then has his head screwed on straight, still a top 10 player in the world. Would you text Colin? You're like, you're a hard guy to please. Colin kept being like, Murakawa's not on TV. He got dude. zero He's, coverage yeah. Saturday and Sunday morning. Like His putt on 18 was really good, though. They he was in, that. like, fifth place. Yeah, that was awesome. But, like, he also hit a lot, a lot of really cool shots the eight holes leading up to that, and I didn't see one of them. Yeah, <laughs> the only time I got to see him was when I watched like the the master fifteen down. sixteen coverage, like those specific holes when he came through, because for some reason CBS was showing Rom and Brooks like walking to and from yeah. every green and he like zins. when there's 
uh, everyone else is still out there playing, and we can't show any other shots besides those guys walking from tee to tee. You mean you didn't like it when they showed Rom and Kepko waiting to tee off on 16 and just that girl, like, cackling in the background? <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting take from them, right? I get the idea of, like, we knew it was kind of a two-horse race. Like, there was, an, there was a twinkle for Jordan and a twinkle for Phil, but realistically there wasn't. So I understand that they want to follow the two that are on, the only two that really have a realistic chance to win this thing. But you got a lot of coverage to fill. But when you're walking between shots, like was, give us, I don't know, give us more Freddie Couples content. I'd rather watch uh, golf than watch these guys walk up a fairway. Morikawa literally hit it in the water on 15, dropped it, and got up and down for par. And I they didn't show one shot of it. Like it, he he hit an incredible chip shot, an incredible putt, and I didn't see anything. And he's in fifth place. Like he's in the top five. You got to show those kinds of shots. So are you also on Morikawa this week? I mean, yeah, sure. I didn't I didn't really like do any research, but I'm always riding for my boy Double L. It's going to be interesting if we're playing golf on Sunday, if it's a good tournament, if we can catch the end, right? What time are we playing? Yeah, I don't know what time we're teeing off. I mean, we won't be able to get on the grounds without tickets, but you're talking about on TV. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, I'll befriend somebody. I'll like sleep in the bunker. Once you get in tight with those we'll people just, with the pool in the I'll backyard. sleep in the bunker on 11 or just like hang out there. <laughs> <laughs> wake, wake up at 6 a.m. Let's just drive our golf cart over there. What I think we have a 10 a.m. tea time here. It's 10. like, uh, no, this is a PJ event. We're <laughs> uh, media. I stutter? I have a golf podcast. <laughs> we should make fake media passes. Yeah. Yeah, we have podcasts. Play the course on Monday. Pretty well known podcast. Any other picks? Well, yeah. I just want to say before we move move away from Morikawa, uh, I think he got shafted last weekend not only with the coverage but also <laughs> the fact they had to play with slow Sam Bennett on Sunday. Slow and now, Sam. now <laughs> we get we it's a new week, new week. We're all picking Morikawa. We're riding for him, and who do they pair him with? Patrick Cantlay. Mm. <laughs> like the They're guy really, can't catch yeah. a break lately. One pairing I saw today that's going to be really interesting is Webb Simpson and Cam Young playing together. Oh, that's great. So Cam Young just stole or got Webb Simpson's caddy, so now they're playing together like three weeks later. That's fun. But I, I think this week I'm going to go with Tony Finau. Ooh, uh, Bigfoot. He's, he played pretty well this past week. I think his putter really let him down, but I think getting on a different surface. I think this event is viewed as like a family vacation kind of place where a lot of the the professionals will bring their family he notoriously travels i believe entirely with his Mm -hmm. family right so he's going to be right at home kind of settled in he's got that approach game to take advantage of this course and i'd like to see him come out on top this week the putting thing with big tone is really tough i could talk about hours for hours about like the technical aspect back to putting but Tony, his putting is is not very uh, technically appealing. His hands are incredibly low and his toes in the air and he's flicking at it a lot. He's a professional golfer. I'm not. And he's <laughs> incredibly talented. But I don't think it's very long until, until Tony gets a putting coach and really takes that putting to the next level. Yeah, I got one guy I'm looking at. I'm looking at Xander this week, plus 2,500. I mean, he's just one of those guys that's just so steady and with how narrow these fairways are this week. I think Xander's a guy that's going to keep the ball in play. He could get hot for a round or two, maybe get himself a little bit of a cushion and then try to ride it out to the end. I think Xander's a pretty safe pick, and being that far down, I'm surprised by it. And a solid iron player. Are you going to like do one of those like you know T-shirt picks kind of thing and just go out there with Xander plus 2,500 on your chest? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I mean, big X on it. Yeah, it'll work. When we go grocery shopping, look at some Sharpies, yeah. (laughs) I did just look at the pairings. Rom's playing with Spieth, which is exciting. That's incredible. And then we got... um, we got uh, who's Xander with? Oh, I don't know. Quicker, well, okay. Faster. So the twenty five, but, J- but JT and Sam Burns is another good one. Control the, F, Control F. The plus twenty five hundred for Xander is, I think, I think there's some incredible value in some of these higher, higher plus picks because he's Lowry, because this field, Ooh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good I'm following them because because <laughs> there's they're so not many. Sunday. They're not playing together on <laughs> Thursday. I'm following them. I think, like we said, there's so many good guys in this field, but then a lot of guys that don't have the course experience here, there's a ton of value in the two to 5,000 range. So do you think there's anybody here? Oh, we have Straka's here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go, Seth, fuck you. <laughs> and Ken was escorted off the golf course after yeah. seven minutes. Sorry, Doug. Go ahead. Like, week after the Masters, no, normally nobody would play, but I think they're forced to. Like, is anybody here just hoping they don't make the cut? Like out of these a top nice guys, little break. I don't think they'd be super upset. It it wouldn't be like a mark on their resume. Like, like oh, I, he missed the cut at the RBC. It's area. easy to think that way, but at the same time, it's like, can these guys turn it off? I don't know. I think it'd be like, oh, I'm just going to phone it in this. I weekend. think the twenty million dollar uh, 
you know, person alone is enough to be like, eh, I mean, I can always use an extra, you know, two mil, three mil. Well, Rom's already that's made his like rate. 10 two mil, mil this year, right? That's his, so. that's his quote. <laughs> he does a bad job. So that's something important I looked at when I picked Colin Morikawa is that he's actually only played two of the past four weeks. Yeah. So he's fairly well rested. Unlike, I'd love to see Speed defend this thing. We know he can play well here, but talk about like he's on like a five week bender right now. So it's going to be a tough one for him. Same. And then we talk about the guy that this is like my long shot pick, but the guy that's paid Rosander. I think I've looked at the weather forecast and it's maybe a little spotty here and there throughout the week. So from what I saw with Shane Lowry playing in the rain at the Masters, I think he's incredible value here at Harbortown, especially because he hits the ball straight. His ball striking is incredible. The only thing with Shane right now is he's losing over half a shot around to the field with his putting. So he gets that putting turned around. I think we're looking at another run for Shane. He Make seems up. like a guy who would look really good in that tartan jacket. He would. I mean, Minmoo is yeah. playing with uh, Aaron Rye and Carson Young. What a what a and he's going Carson off. Tough, tough, not, not he's going off last. He's going off last. I mean, I don't know. Like I know Minwoo's been pretty hot, but that's a pretty fair like world ranked pairing. That's like pretty solid. Nah, Minwoo's hot. Aaron Rye is, is a dog. He's top really fifty in the, the world around the course. And then Carson yeah. Young's up and coming. So what's our what's our dream scenario here? That like Saturday morning, first couple tee times, like Scotty and Rom go off together, and we just walk the course with them. Like, well, imagine they're like, like you know, six shots out of the lead, and then one of them shoots a sixty. Yeah, with Cam Young, in and front then of we get to walk something. the course, kind of see everything, and then come back to the leaders, so we get to kind of see everything, follow those top guys. I think we need to I do know. some. Colin, I will be live streaming I'm thinking, our golf I'm round. Thinking yeah, like a min, I'm thinking like a Min Woo double L pairing yeah. early oh, on God. Saturday. Wouldn't that be perfect? Woo. Yeah. I think I'm going to be doing connection. some active research. I might fly down there. Whatever group one. goes off in front of Cantlay, yeah, I'm following it. them so I can accurately document how many holes Cantlay is behind, and I bet it's not that many. Ben, can you bring like a portable recorder and have like your headphones in? Like, okay, we're following Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Do a fake reporting. <laughs> Why does he sound so out of breath, Kim? Because we just walked uh, seven miles. I'll just get a big ass mic, like a two, foot, like like that big, the big snow <laughs> cone. Yeah, the big thing. Yeah, exactly. Little little boom mic over time. <laughs> I think my uh, bold prediction is that we're going to run into Minwoo out at the Tiki bar on friday night yep. and colin's gonna lose his mind can you that guys he's not down there i think you should come if Colin you get the come. opportunity like like if he's on like the putting <laughs> green there's nobody around him FaceTime. and you walk up to him can FaceTime. you just like let him know like he's got guys out there rooting for him every week <laughs> yeah like well, me FaceTime, he knows that he literally has like all of yeah facetime me in that'd be wonderful yeah we'll just live stream the whole thing for you then we'll woo do, new zealand never been is it cool <laughs> we'll just do ig live from the uh, bpo uh, account man the whole time he Your sister's like better than you. He seems like a guy who would like this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Minwoo's actually coming on next week. <laughs> ben yeah. closed Unconfirm- the laptop. Unconfirmed. Ben closed Uh-oh. the laptop. All right, that does it for us here. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, the Big Players Only Podcast Facebook page, and check out our Instagram, the Big Players Only Pod Instagram page. We'll be back next week with a recap on the RBC Heritage. Thanks, everyone, for being here.